Everyone who knows me knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists, and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime, and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to pacocollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Dog People of the Internet, Worked Up Camp is happening. You can get all of the information for it over on the Worked Up Camp event page on Facebook. So just search Worked Up Camp on Facebook. Um, you can also find it on the Cognitive Canine Facebook page. And you have to click either going or interested, and then you're going to get all of the updates that are posted to that page. What you need to know right now is that registration applications open April 15th. I'm only going to take those applications for a 10-day period, and then I'm going to let people know who is in as far as working spots go. So you've got to get your application filled out and sent over to me between April 15th and April 25th. So if you get the application in during that time, you'll be considered to have a working spot. But in order to get that application, you've got to get over to that event page and join it so that you can get all of those updates. And I hope to see your application soon. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Hey dog people, so this week I am doing something I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm attending a chicken camp or a chicken training workshop or an operant conditioning workshop or whatever you want to call it. It's not with Bob Bailey. Um, it is with Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan is in Squim, Washington, so it was only about a three-hour trek for me. Um, and Terry worked with Bob for a long time, so I'm really excited to get to do her camp. I feel really fortunate she doesn't do very many at home camps anymore. She teaches them all over the world instead. Um, and our group is, I think, additionally fortunate because we're working with entirely naive, naive chickens. So we've got a flock of four month old chickens who have not been trained before. So these chickens are comfortable being handled and they're what we call, uh, they call table ready meaning they're comfortable being handled, they're comfortable being on the training table, and they're comfortable eating from the cup that we feed them from when we're training. And other than that, they know nothing, which is really cool and exciting for me. So I'm sure that I'll talk about everything I learned at chicken camp when it wraps up. Today was day one. 
So instead, I'm going to talk to you about something that I thought was really fantastic um, that Terry did as an instructor for us, which is that she really, really broke down all of the mechanical skills, all of the technical details that we were going to need to know in order to work with these birds. So not only did we talk about chicken behavior and the way that chickens act and um, the way that chickens see and the way that chickens move, which is, which are things that dog trainers take for granted because we're around dogs so often, right? So we're around dogs enough that we forget that those things are important because we watch them all the time. So we kind of know how dogs eat, see, and move. Um, and any time we're training a dog that's new to us, we probably do little mini observations there and figure out what their individual habits are regarding those things. But I don't know that we spend the kind of time that we spent today um, on that stuff. And it's probably an important piece for us to think a little bit more about. But she also really broke down just, like I said, all the mechanical skills. So holding the cup, we are delivering a cup of chicken feed to these chickens after we click. So holding the cup, clicking the clicker, delivering the food, clicking on time. And we clicked on time with various difficulties. We played a lot of different games. Um, between we're working in groups of two so between the two partners we played a lot of different games on clicker timing picking up the chicken putting the chicken on the table keeping the chicken on the table and we did all these things separately so um what is that it is splitting criteria so we talk about always wanting to split criteria rather than lump criteria so rather than tell the trainer okay you're going to need to click at this time, you're going to need to deliver the cup of food in this way. Um, you're going to need to sweep food off the table at these times. You're going to need to do this and that. And, you know, that's what we do to dog trainers a lot of the time. We do that to people in our workshops, in our classes. And I think that anytime we can be breaking it down further, we should be breaking it down further. So this made me think about a couple of things. Number one we should be acting more like this when we train our own dogs. Um, I know when I'm training something new, I pay some attention to the setup. I pay some attention to the food delivery. Um, and I absolutely should practice marking and reinforcing in the absence of my dog in that setup. And I'm going to be honest with you, I rarely do, if ever. I can count probably two times that I did, and it was because I was worried about the delivery and I wanted to make sure that I could do it correctly. We should do it even if we're not worried about it. We will find things out that we may not have found out otherwise. So when we, you know, go into our training building or go into our training room and we are about to train our dogs in new behavior, we should not only pay mind to the setup, which we should pay attention to, but we should pay mind to, you know, how am I going to reinforce? Where am I going to deliver that to? Can I do that accurately? And we should practice. We should practice without our learner there. Because, you know, like Terry said today, dogs make up for a lot of our mistakes. Um, they fill in a lot of the gaps for us. And that's why a chicken 
can be a better model to learn to be a better trainer on because chickens do not fill in those gaps. Um, the chicken has no need or desire to fill in those gaps. And, you know, we could maybe talk in a later episode about why dogs probably do have the need and desire to fill in those gaps and chickens don't. Um, but I think that'll be a conversation for another day. So we should be doing that. We should be practicing in the absence of our animals. And this is something that I've heard basically every genius trainer say that I've ever talked to, and it's still not a part of my routine practice. And so I'm vowing right here and now to make it more of a part of my routine practice. And the other thing that we should do, which I'm going to tell you I do, but I think I can do even more and even better is that we should be teaching like this. So the way that Terry Ryan broke down each of these mechanical pieces for us today, and she had us practice each piece separate from each other, was really important and it took most of the day. And I think that um, there are kind of two sides to this coin. And one is the consumerism of animal training, particularly dog training. If I tell an agility instructor who travels to teach seminars to spend one entire day on the mechanics of cueing and reinforcing alone, they're going to have to call that day something else. They're going to have to call that day, you know, never get an off course again or something ridiculous like that to get people to even come because as a community, we just don't see that stuff as important. So it's up to us, the trainers, to instill just how important it is in our students. And we can only do that by breaking it down appropriately. So when you are given the opportunity, when you do have the time, break it down. And when you think you don't have the time, break down at least one detail that you know everybody could do a little bit better. If you know everybody can throw their toy on the line, so let's say you're handling a sequence and you want the handlers to drop their reinforcement on the dog's line or on the dog's path, make up a silly game for all the handlers to play together to practice that skill and do that before you run the sequence. And you will see you know, not everybody, but you will see people realize just how much they struggle with those fine details. And then you will see those people in turn get better at those details and see the results. And that's where we start to really be in the money is when people are seeing the results. And we should be teaching like that all the time. Because training, you guys, is about details. Training is not about big picture. It starts to be about big picture once you actually have these big pictures. So once you have these behaviors established or you have um, some of these skills established, it can start to feel like big picture, but training is actually in the details. Um, it's about what you're using for reinforcement, what your reinforcement strategy is, and your mechanics. I mean, people hate to constantly hear from me that their problems are arising from the fact that they're just reaching to their pocket before they're clicking, um, you know, etc. things like that. But the answer is that most of the people who land in front of me for help, that's where their problems were born. They didn't pay enough attention to these details, probably because they didn't even know these details existed 
which is a fault of the training um, side of things. If you're an instructor, an agility instructor, and you have not bothered to learn this stuff, or you're an obedience instructor and you've not bothered with this stuff, it really is time because not only are will your training benefit, but your students' training will also benefit. And that's you know, to me, the details seem like the boring, tedious stuff. And I just beg to differ. I think that the details are actually where it's at. That's the juicy stuff. That's the great stuff that we all can get better at if we just practice. Um, and how cool is that? I mean, no amount of you know, practicing mechanics is going to make me a faster sprinter. <laughs> but a lot of practicing mechanics can make my dog more responsive to the cues that I need to make up for the fact that I'm not a great sprinter. And that's something to, you know, always be thinking about. And that just comes down to what excellent instruction is, which is the exact same thing as excellent training. So if I've got an animal in front of me that needs to, that's a naive animal that doesn't understand a skill, it wouldn't have been fair for me today to plop that chicken on the table and expect her to peck a target that she's never seen in her life. Instead, I needed to click every tiny step towards pecking the target. And then if she got stuck, I needed to back up for her. And we just aren't teaching people like that enough when we need to. And we also, we need to teach our dogs like that. We need to break it down further and not take advantage of the fact that dogs are really, really trying to understand where we're coming from at any given time. They're always trying to figure us out. So that's it for tonight, you guys. Um, stay tuned because I will give you a full um, kind of chicken camp recap when I am done and talk to you about what I learned and why I think it's important to bust outside of your species that you're used to training um, and really learn some different skills. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!